0: their essential love of justice.
2: Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for January eighth, two thousand I'm sorry, yeah, two thousand twenty. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Katherine Smith.
1: Greetings from Atlanta where it is not snowing.
2: <laughs> There's the report we're waiting for.
0: And welcome Tim Shiflett. Well, I thought I'd never say this, but welcome from you know America's winter playground, Menlo, Georgia. <laughs> you know, goodness. And it's February eighth, David, it, not January eighth. <laughs> oh,
2: good gracious! Well, it is nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and and this is by design. And there's no guest tonight, and that's by design. Uh, given prior arrangements for at least one of us, maybe two. Um, we went ahead and pre-taped again, so it'll be in your feed about right. Uh, but it's uh, morning time, and we're kind of amazed by the weather we woke up to. Uh, but let's start talking about this politics, which has just been a flurry of issues as well. And we'll start off with the impeachment vote, and then from the State of the Union, and then we'll get into the place where I guess people didn't stay, cast ballots; that they they stood in groups. But we'll get there soon enough. Um, but let's talk about the the vote. It was. Um, Two counts, and the votes were pretty much identical. I think there was one senator that switched on one count, and every single Democrat voted to impeach Donald Trump, and one Republican, Mitt Romney, voted to impeach. So it was a bipartisan effort no matter what Donald Trump and his uh, supporters ever say. Um, There were people across the aisle that voted to impeach him, and no one uh, voted to inquit him on the other side. Uh, Catherine, what were some of your takeaways from the impeachment uh, vote itself?
1: Not at all surprised. A little bit surprised by uh, Senator Romney, but I knew the fix was in. We, I think we all knew the fix was going to be in. Uh, I give some you know, credit to Mitt Romney for standing up for his values. I, I appreciate that. I think there were probably other – Republicans that would have liked to have had that courage but but out of uh, fear for their seats and fear of the um, wrath of the president, uh, which we all saw quite clearly following the um, the vote, but I don't think it was surprising,
0: yep, Tim, some of your takeaways. Well, Catherine was right. It was predictable as predictable could be, even though I watched it and uh I was uh very impressed with uh Senator Romney's floor speech, I think, more than uh than I was his actual vote. Uh I guess the impeachment is is now divided into two things what actually occurred and the aftermath and uh we are beginning to see the aftermath as the president takes his victory lap in the form of well revenge really uh
1: yeah you know
0: he's he's firing people the shackles are off of trump now that he you know, he thinks he can do anything, and, you know, it really appears that he can because he's he's got uh, no oversight that's enforceable. He's got the courts, he's got the Senate, uh, GOP, and about the only thing still standing in his way is that the House judiciary may subpoena John Bolton to testify and some others. I don't know if he could do any good. And then the voters, um, we're we're down to that, guys. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump's been pretty nasty, even at the National Prayer Breakfast. He went yeah. to, you know, basically attacking people that were in the room. So uh, that that's where we are.
2: Yeah, there's a phrase I've heard used a lot: time and place. And Donald Trump doesn't get that phrase at all. He doesn't understand when it's something like a prayer breakfast that you just don't use that to attack people. Um, we'll get to the State of the Union, but once again, time and place. Uh, when he's at one of his little campaign rallies out in some you know barn somewhere or some arena and wherever he's popular, what he says is still repugnant and, and shocking and galling, but at least it's – more appropriate in those circumstances, but he just doesn't care. I don't know if it's that he doesn't know; he just doesn't care. Um, talk about Mitt Romney. I do think he, you know, he does deserve some credit, given that he's the only one. He's going to be, you know, Senator fifty-two or, how, or fifty-three. I forgot how many they have in their caucus. Um, right now, he's going to be, you know, last man. He's going to really not going to have any friends. Um, that will be willing to be even seen with him or co-sponsor because, of course, they'll all be afraid of Donald Trump So it did take some courage to do what he did And then after he did it, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, showed that the acorn rolled down the tree and, and stood at the um, foot um, because When he called uh, Mitt Romney what he called him, um, which really – you could say, okay, that lacks class, and it's a vile word to use and call somebody, but even in the context of thinking that's an appropriate piece of language, what Mitt Romney did showed great courage, not great fear or great you know, being scared, which that term evokes. So I thought not only um, was, was Dodd Jr. just classless when he said it, he was just incorrect when he said it. Um, Catherine, how shocked were you by that uh tweet or statement?
1: Honestly, I don't think I saw it, but I mean I think that this is just the way that the Trumps roll. You know, they they're uh they don't care if what they say is true or not, as long as it uh furthers their um their efforts uh to I mean, I just feel like this whole thing has emboldened uh Trump and his minions to, like you said, just do whatever they want, feel no uh responsibility or uh sense of duty uh It's just uh very disappointing to see this kind of behavior to me i mean even after all these years or how you know whatever three and a half years of watching it. It still it still shocks me. <laughs> Which is uh I think says a lot about how um how how horrible the whole thing is. Is that it continues to shock me. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Tim, how um coarse and ill fitting was what Don Junior uh
0: said? Well, in in the world of Donald Trump, it fit right in perfectly. Uh, They have uttered so many of these vile obscenities that it's almost as if the country has become conditioned to not even hardly notice it. Uh, All these years that, that I've been around politics, I never dreamed I would see anything like this at the national level. It hasn't been long ago that the American people would have risen up in disgust against something like this. And I tell you, that Trump bunch wouldn't put up with a Democrat doing it right now. If a Democrat did half of this stuff, they'd be ready to march on the White House and burn it down. And that they are willing to look the other way while this trash goes on uh i'm really just uh ashamed now i am i'm ashamed i'm embarrassed for the country i cannot believe that 46 percent of the voters of this country would would actually embrace something just as low as that it's it, it it's just horrible it it, it is, and, and we, we've got to kick this bunch out. We do. We have to rise up in indignation, and we've got to just fly to the polls and throw every one of them inside out. That'll teach them a lesson. That's the only thing that'll teach them a lesson. Well, it won't teach Trump nothing. You know, it, it, Donald Trump is beyond teaching anything. He knows everything. But uh, it, it it's sad. It's sad to watch that uh, this country's come to this It really is Yeah,
2: and we'll get to the political side of it later So, of course, the vote happens And he takes a big victory lap And, and I think he obviously got on Twitter and, and just, you know, misconstrued the facts there Of course, had a campaign rally in Iowa um, And then he had the State of the Union now, the State of the Union was designed by the framers of the Constitution to be for a chance for the president to um, talk about the health and welfare of the nation as a whole, regardless if you are a federalist or Democratic Democratic Republican. You, know, you came to the uh, – the president came to the House, and they told about it. Also, in later years, the, the State of the Union has been a place where a president can lay out their legislative vision for the country. Uh, Bill Clinton always used that as his – kind of his high mark for the approval ratings for the year. He'd lay out a vision, and people would be like, well, you know, I kind of like that vision. Some of them personally like him. And he would use it as a plus, a high-minded thing. And other presidents would talk about, well, Donald Trump didn't do anything close to that. I can tell you three things that seem to be the the prevailing narrative out of that um, speech, and that would be, uh, he gave a, a congressional Medal of Honor Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh, which you know everybody nobody out think wishes him ill well in his fight against cancer, but i don 't think a lot of people outside of the hardcore Republicans think he deserves any kind of medal like that um, then during the speech, the Republicans chanted four more years, just like a campaign rally, and then finally uh Nancy Pelosi ripped up his you know the um, some paper after the speech that had his speech printed on it. Not a binding legal document. that wasn't a home loan. Uh, it was just a piece of paper with some, you know, speech on it. Um, and then of course after that, he said that um, that was criminal. So I guess uh, now Hillary Clinton's off the hook at the campaign rallies. So they'll be wanting to lock Nancy Pelosi up for ripping up paper. Um, Catherine, did you get any other big themes out of that
1: speech? No, that was that was. Uh, I think you summed it up very well. It was. There were so many, so many things that I, I that I was troubled by. So. The Met, the medal of freedom to Rush Limbaugh, is just unbelievable. Especially when he had standing. At the you know during the same period. He had a hundred-year-old uh, Tuskegee Airman. Of all the people in that room that should have gotten that Medal of Freedom, it was him. And also, it was just weird to do the Medal of Freedom at the State of the Union. Typically, that's done at a separate ceremony with family and friends of the person receiving the award, and it's a very... Solemn and um, it's a celebration. Uh, It was just so strange to do it there and to have Melania put it on him. I mean, it was just so out of um, sorts for that um, very important symbol. And to think that Rush Limbaugh has that award along with John Lewis and Uh, Martin Luther King and, you know, all the other people who have received it. It's just, um, it's just, it just disgusts me. So there was that. Um, The whole ripping of the speech thing was, uh, I thought, very dramatic, and I love Nancy Pelosi for doing it. And the idea that it was somehow, you know, illegal or like it was some official document – it's just ridiculous. And then the people are saying that by tearing it up, he, she was, you know, defacing all the people that he recognized like what it was, it was, it, it was a giant campaign rally, a giant campaign commercial all designed to fire up the base and, um, emboldened the president even more. It's, it, was, it was shameful.
2: Yeah, and, and Catherine, that's a good point about how they give the Medal of Freedom. Uh, another uh, point about that is usually the president themselves applies the Medal of Freedom. Yeah. Like I saw a picture of Joe Biden getting, even though he's vice president, getting it from President Barack Obama. He put it around his neck. And so uh, yeah. I guess even I mean, if you said oh he Limbaugh deserved it, he didn't get the full treatment.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> like it was uh it was it was uh, ugh, it's just disgusting.
2: Yeah. It'd been nice if Melania Trump would've refused to put it around his neck because uh, she didn't <laughs> agree with it. That would have been uh, kinda of fun. Um and just but and I just guess think she didn't about quite make that the horrible
1: sense. things that just think about the horrible things that uh that Rush Limbaugh has said about the residents of the, the previous residents of the white house. Remember what he used to say about Chelsea Clinton and about Hillary. I mean, he's just a horrible person. Like, I'm sorry that he's ill and I don't wish him, you know, any suffering, but this was totally out of, uh, just a ridiculous, uh, I I just can't even I can hardly talk about it. It makes me so angry. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it, and one thing about talking about Chelsea Clinton, we might now think of her as a, as a grown woman in her thirties. When he actually criticized her appearance and looks, she was twelve years old, and so yeah. he attacked a twelve year old. But that's par for the course with this bunch because we know what they do to Greta Thunberg. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on the State of the Union?
0: Well, it was. Uh basically a speech delivered for the benefit of and to the base, uh, which differentiates it from every State of the Union that I've ever seen and every presidential speech really that I've ever seen going back into the 1960s. Uh, I remember when Johnson delivered that we shall overcome speech. I was just a little kid watching it with with my family, and he he talked to America. Nobody questioned who he was talking to, but Trump was talking to one side of that room the other night. The the part the the group that was hollering for more years. Did you see what he did when he first walked up there? You know they always walk up. Two copies of their speech is on the podium. He turned around. He gave one to the vice president. He gave the other one to the speaker. She extended her hand to shake it, and he just kind of looked and turned around. He refused to take her hand. Uh, I thought that, you know, that's typical right there. Uh, I'm glad she did what she did. She knows how to get in their heads. She knows how to drive them out of their minds. They 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 deserve that. Uh, you know, when I was watching that speech, I was thinking what, about what Michelle Obama said in the campaign four years ago. She said, "When they go low, we go high." It, you know what? I I don't agree with that at all. I'm sorry. Uh first lady, yeah. I don't. I I agree with what Eric Holder said. When they go low, we can kick 'em. And and you know what? I believe that uh, I believe Donald Trump and Hugh Zill, uh understand that. I believe they understand brute force. I I believe them that dish it out like those guys do. Can't take it, and you've seen that. You've seen Trump whine about, "Oh, how awful they treat me," and and and, and he, he even has that tone in that speech the other night, in in that State of the Union. Uh, you know, I'm I'm this, I'm that. I've done this, I've done that. Um, uh the other thing that struck me that y'all didn't mention, uh, David, was the it just lies that he yeah. told my goodness saying that the country was was uh just just falling apart economically before he came to the rescue and turned it turned it all around i mean that's that's total mythology um but um it it was a tough speech for me to watch i i always sit through them, but it but i just for a couple of minutes, I actually turned it off to check on the score of a ball game when I saw him put that medal on Rush Limbaugh, around Rush Limbaugh's neck. I thought right that I, you know what, I can't take this anymore. But, you know, the political side of me won out. And I, I called back. Uh, I mean, I, I turned back over to it. And it, 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 was, it was tough to watch, wasn't it, Catherine? Yeah. It, it was it was yeah. hard hard to watch. Yeah, Tim, I guess
2: the the Tims couldn't take it because Tim Ryan, not the most partisan member of the Democratic Caucus, actually walked out. Um mm-hmm.
0: you
2: know, and that really shows because that's the time. You know, I think uh, I think they've come much more together and they've talked about how they have admiration for each other. But just a few cycles ago, Tim Ryan and Nancy Pelosi both wanted to vie for Majority Leader, um, and that mm-hmm. shows you that. They were further apart then, and now Donald Trump's put them together where one's walking out as a protest and the other's ripping the speech up and discussed. And so um, th- th- he's really brought Democrats together. Uh, you know, something, Tim, as you were talking about all the lies, you know how all these singers, Bruce Springsteen, Ozzy Osbourne, Queen, have all told the Trump campaign, stop using my music. I think uh-huh. Stevie Nicks ought to send out a press release. I grant you, Donald Trump, the use of one of my songs to use at any of your campaign events, and that would be lies, sweet little lies. You're welcome
1: to it. <laughs>
2: that would be um, quite fitting. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just uh, the studying was so terrible. And then let's quickly get into you know, what he's done since. He's fired at least three people. I guess you could say pushed her. Gordon Sondland. Latest uh, fired Richard Veneman Anybody that spoke out That was a part of the Administration I guess in, in the case Of um, uh, Ambassador um, Marie was start name starts with a Y She uh, was more of an Institutional figure but he's pushing All these folks out um,
0: Tim what kind of retribution Is this Well, it's very childish retribution, and it's also the in-your-face thing that he's telling everybody, you know what, I'm president, and I can do anything I want to do. He actually – when a lot of people are fired at the White House, uh, sometimes to make a point, they send the Secret Service around to get their – cards, the keys and escort them out the door in a very high profile way so that everyone can see it. that's what they did with Colonel Fenderman. There There's people on social media, Trump supporters, actually calling him a traitor and he has spilled his blood for this country in combat. And they're calling him a traitor while defending a five-time draft-dodging coward. What kind of people are these? I mean, my goodness.
1: They're horrible people. Yeah, That's what they are. They're deplorable. Well, and Catherine, one more point about
2: this. Do you think that these firings, and there could even be more to come, will kind of pierce oh, the more. political filter to where um, people say, you know, I was on the on the fence for whatever reason. You know, the economy's good. I, I don't know, whatever the justification is to say they could still vote for Donald Trump. But after this petty retribution, that's finally the straw that breaks, breaks the camel's back. I'm not going to vote for him, or I'm not going to come out to vote. I'm just going to sit home. Do you think there could be some um, political um, implications
0: of this?
1: Mm, I don't think on his base. I think his base is solidly behind him. Well, well
0: and, and
2: his base and people that support him – because I don't think his base is 46% of the American public. I think his base is under 40 uh, maybe close to forty, but but I'm talking about that last six percent or so. I uh,
1: I think that all these things could. I don't think that just the firings, but I think the, you know, the Rush Limbaugh, the firings, the um, the the prayer breakfast. Um, I think those uh, all in combination could have some impact, but. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, – we're
2: about halfway through the show. Let's get into the the p- place where people um, cast their preference. Um, as much as I know about political science, that the Iowa caucus, or any caucus for that matter, is not the easiest thing to understand. So we go into it with a complicated process, the Iowa caucus. And, of course, they've got new rules – before the thing, they were saying, you know, there could be as many as three winners, and I guess you could put air quotes in that, that come out of this. Um, well, Tim, it looked like all that came out of this was just a big, giant mess. Um, let's, before we get into the who finally looks like they might have won or can claim some mantle of victory, um, what do you think is going to be the takeaway of this process
0: that went on Monday night? Uh, it was a debacle. That, that's what I took away. It was a total debacle. They they went to giving out all— First of all, they weren't giving out any information at all. Where on the Republican side, we were seeing that the results were published of their caucus within an hour of their caucuses convening. Um, and and so that's the first thing We take away is debacle Then we get the Supporters of this one or that One saying wait a minute is Everything on the up and up here We get the uh, Head of the Democratic National Committee demanding Recounts which he Can't do by the way uh, Only the state There can do that and They have to be asked by one of Campaigns to do it, and it was um, it, it was just uh, the, I, I don't have much good to say about it. And I sat there and watched it all. And and another thing, I, I was disappointed in the turnout. They were expecting a record turnout. Well, they didn't get it. The turnout was similar to what it was four years ago, and the record turnout is still 2008. Um so it it was so close that the Associated Press couldn't even call a winner because nobody knew what was really happening and and who was doing what and we we just we just now have gotten to like ninety nine percent of the precincts so it, it 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 was not the way we wanted to start this campaign season
1: guys. exactly.
2: Yeah, Catherine. Before I get into some more questions, I'm going to ask you a real quick one. Um, Tim mentioned that the, the turnout was down from 2008, and everybody says that, you know that could be a sign of lack of passion. I have a theory, and I just want to see what you think. I think there's just as much, maybe even more passion this year, but it's at defeating Donald Trump, not for electing candidate X, Y, or Z. And right now we're still electing candidate X Y Z. The passion's just not Donald Trump. What do you think of that? I
1: I tend to agree. I tend to agree with that, and I think we see that pretty clearly by the, you know, by these results that are, um, you know, sort of uh, not 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 really recognizing anyone, any of the top three, I guess, certainly the top two, as uh, as clear winners. Um, I, I just want to say another thing about this caucus. Uh, the whole way in which these apps were used and this technology was just <laughs> a study in how not to do things. You know, this was an app that had been untested. They hadn't, you know, there was no training. There was no uh, really um, plan for how to you know make sure that it was the the product was used properly i mean it was really uh a total failure of uh technology uh that i mean we we all know you know we were talking about it in the office the other day like can you imagine like rolling out a new uh policy or a new uh, product to use in a in a in an organization or a company without testing it it 's like it 's just uh, unbelievable that they they would do that for such an important thing and like you said, I think it 's really important to recognize that we did not want to start out this way we wanted clear um, recognizable results that would uh, provide some momentum to to candidate and and show uh, some weakness in other candidates with a, with a um, with a slate this large we really needed that don't don't you think like we really needed to see some uh, clear results so that we can move forward and it was, it was very the whole thing was like Tim said it was a debacle and it was absolutely embarrassing for and not just for us. But globally, I mean, we're the ones that go to all these countries and monitor their elections, and we can't even run a caucus in a small Midwestern state without a debacle. It's it's just horrifying.
2: Yeah, and, and, and we'll get into the who got momentum, but I think a sign that nobody got any kind of clarity out of it is really no candidates dropped out of the race after the Iowa caucus. And that's when they should have been dropping out, not – five months ago
0: when they couldn't
2: make some debate stage because they couldn't raise some online donations, Uh, but nobody – there's no clarity. Well, let's talk about the future of the caucus, future of Iowa and the future of the caucus because people are saying Iowa can't be um, first anymore, and some are saying Iowa could still be first, but they can't have a caucus anymore, Um, and I have kind of a personal – um, bone to pick with caucuses And that's the part I have Is the, the viability threshold In an American democracy If you want to write in Mickey Mouse They count Mickey Mouse If you want to write, uh, vote for a, a Fifth party candidate And they get .1% They count your vote And just because your candidate Doesn't have 15% of the vote I think it's a little bit anti-democratic To say oh you got to be with one of the popular crowd um, so I personally don't like the viability threshold. But, Tim, what do you think about the future of Iowa and the caucus?
0: Well, unlike some, I'm going to predict right now that they'll be right back there doing the same caucus four years from now. Uh, because some people, we we just, you know, the American people have a hard time sometimes learning uh, to be honest with you, and you know, although I I agree with you, I, I don't like caucuses. I don't like the way they're set up, where uh, one third of the vote of of the delegates are apportioned on statewide results, and then two thirds are are apportioned <laughs> almost on a precinct precinct basis, and you and you got to go out and you got to publicly declare. Who you're going to vote for Which we don't do that In this country Voting is a a very personal And private and protected Thing for Americans And it's better to go Do it the primary style And walk in a voting booth And cast your vote And and then again in these caucuses Between the two parties You might get 10% Of the registered voters uh, To show up And so I think their importance is dramatically overstated. And even then, uh, with what happened the other night, you know what was missing? Victory statements, uh, statements from the candidates. They all had to get on planes and fly to New Hampshire and didn't know anything. If you're going to do a caucus, at least you know Run the thing right. They had one job out there in Iowa to do, and they didn't get it done. Uh, I I wish they'd do away with the the caucus system. There's other states. You know, Nevada does that, and they're coming in a couple of weeks. Are we going to see a repeat of this again? There was one winner, though, guys, Tuesday night, Donald Trump. Well, 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 let's – oh okay
2: i was like let's wait those those folks yeah and unfortunately i think you're right he can you know point oh look at the dysfunction um catherine your prognosis for both iowa and or the caucus
1: Uh, you know i uh i would love to think that we would learn something from this and uh make some significant changes to the whole primary process because I think that both Iowa and New Hampshire are – get there's much too much emphasis on them, and they're not representative states, but I think these are longstanding traditions, and it's hard to break those traditions, um, but, I mean, clearly they have to fix the process if we're going to do this again. Um, I don't have as much uh, hatred for caucuses as um, others, um, but I don't like the the complicated, uh, you know, machinations that we go through about the one-third this and two-thirds this. And if you, you know, you have, to, and I don't think they should be public. Um, but... I agree with Tim. I think we're going to be right back here in 4 years. I just don't I just don't see the will to because it's in order to change it, it's going to require a lot of attention for the next 4 years from the DNC. I mean, it, because it's a it's complicated to figure out how to change these things, and I just don't see that we ha, that there's the will of a giant volunteer organization to put the the work into making it better. As much as I love my DNC members, they all have other things that they have to do, and we're going to have elections in between, and we have, you know, other things that have to happen, and money to raise, and I just think finding the the will and the bandwidth to make those dramatic changes—it's just not there.
2: Yeah, I think we'll halfway be there in four years. I think Iowa and the caucuses are going to be the next political fault fault line. I think the Republicans 100 percent the first election will be in Iowa, and I think there's a decent chance the Democrats could move, and that would be because of, one, what happened Monday night, two – You know, a chance to get a state that was this more diverse, which I'm fine with. I just don't want a big state. I don't think starting in California would be good. No ill will to California. It's just, it'd be all, it'd be raise money and go on TV. I do think it needs to be a smaller state. But then that's going to then push that same narrative of big city versus rural communities, and it's going to push people further away. But I do think the Republicans 100% will stay there. The question will be, will the Democrats? And then what will that look like if the part not even on the same calendar, if you will? But now let's get into these um, results. And um, he really probably did a great job getting his vote out, in particular getting – with being the second choice of the most people. And if there was a winner to the night, it was him because I think he definitely exceeded expectations – but he didn't get the proper push out of it that he would have deserved because of this mess, and that's Mayor Pete Buttigieg because I know I didn't expect him to finish top – no more, no better than third. And if you would have made me predict the other night or other day when we came on, I would have probably said fourth. So I'm willing to go in hindsight and just show how wrong I was because I thought Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, and Bernie Sanders were all going to finish ahead of him. Um, Tim, do you think Pete Buttigieg is, comes out
0: of the Iowa caucus the best anybody could? Well, he certainly helped his campaign more than any of the others. We knew that Senator Sanders was going to have that 20-some-odd percent of devoted, and I do mean devoted followers, that would, that would get in there and pitch for him uh we figured that Biden and Warren would achieve the 15% viability threshold uh i didn't know if Buttigieg Judge would um i i guess he he has to share the victory stage with Senator Sanders but boy did he help himself as has been shown uh, by the um, polls now, in further states where he is shooting up, you know, six or seven percent at, at a clip in some of these polls, and uh, it, 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 if the momentum holds, um, yeah, he's 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 in it for the long haul now. Um, as as uh, I, I I would think that that uh, Vice President Biden's you know, the, the he he really did not have a good night. Um,
1: no, he had a terrible night. I,
0: I I'm afraid he may be bleeding out. Uh he he just all but admitted last night in that debate that that New Hampshire is gonna take another hit. That that's not the thing you wanna say if you're selling yourself as the person that can go beat Donald Trump And 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 then he loses The very voters He's going after To a 37 year old Mayor of a city of 100,000 Who's never held You know federal elective Office It's like people have turned to a younger Version of him And and Going to Mayor judge. Um so, I, I, I'm yeah, I looking think for about the, the same the same finish in, in in the next in in the next primary. In New yeah, Hampshire, yeah, I think
2: I think Joe Biden should go ahead and never spend another second in New Hampshire. Um, I know there's not that many seconds left before they count their ballots, but. Um, go straight to um, South Carolina would be his best strategy, and that's what I'd advise him to do is just move on from New Hampshire, go to uh, South Carolina, because you have to win South Carolina. If you don't win South Carolina and you're him, you're done. And if you win it, mm-hmm. you've reset this thing, you play the next round. Um, so so that would be my advice there. Uh, Catherine, what is your takeaway of who you know comes out of Iowa In a better shape, worse shape, or um, why are we still playing?
1: Well, I have to tell you the surprise of the night. I mean, the the Buddha judge was a big surprise, but uh, Amy Klobuchar's poor performance was also a surprise. You know, she was, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. was thinking that she had this great organization in Iowa and she had all the support and that, you know, it's, you know, a neighboring state and that they understood her and, she did very poorly. And, uh, I think we saw that on her face last night at the debate that she's mm-hmm. pretty desperate to, cause she's not going to perform well in New Hampshire and probably not in South Carolina either. So I think that was a surprise. Uh, I think, uh, I, I agree with you about Biden. I think, you know, he's got to win strongly in South Carolina. And he's, I think he's got uh, I think it's an uphill battle for him to, I mean, cause he can't just win. He's got to, you know, blow the shutters off South Carolina. And he's got uh, Buddha judge and uh, Steyer on his, you know, right, right up against him. Plus the, you know, devoted, like Tim said, like Tim said, the devoted Bernie supporter. So I, I think, I, I think, um the only saving grace right now for Biden is that I think he's got a lot of um strong support in his donors that but he's going to start losing that very quickly. They're not going to fund a um a obviously losing um prospect. So I think, you know, like I think we all agree that South Carolina is going to be his Waterloo. Um Buddha I think uh I think he did very well and I'm not I'm I wasn't I was surprised that he came out on top or, you know, very close to being you know, whatever, however you wanna evaluate that. Um, but I'm not surprised that he did well. Uh I think he's uh I mean we saw I think we saw it really well last night in the debate. He's very good on his feet. You know, he taught, he he's very eloquent, he's got good ideas. Um, I think his – He's optimistic while being pragmatic, which is a very fine line to walk in these campaigns. But I think his um, – I really like his uh, his sort of approach to, to recognizing that we have to move forward. And I think uh, Bernie and, to some extent, uh, Elizabeth Warren and certainly Biden are very – sort of stuck in the past I mean we saw that last night when they were all talking about all the things they've done before so uh, I I think it's going to be this is one of the most interesting elections that I've watched in my however many years of watching them Uh, what do you think Tim do you think it's interesting different
0: yeah it's interesting and at the same time I'm getting a little concerned because yeah, I, yeah. you know, seventy percent of the attendees at the Iowa caucuses had one thing on their mind uh, on those uh, entrance polls that everyone took, and that was they want to find somebody to be Donald Trump. Now, are we doing that? I, I, I you know, I, I know there's a lot of supporters of Senator Sanders that watch this show, uh, listen to this show, but I. I just can't picture him beating Donald Trump. I mean, I, I just—I cannot picture it. I wish I could picture it, but I can't picture it happen. I keep thinking about 1972. I just—I just keep having these bad visions when our party said, "Yeah, let's stick it in the man's eye. Let's stick it in the establishment's eye. Let's go out and let's get our guy that's gonna tear everything up." And they did at two thirty in the morning, they nominated George McGovern and we lost forty nine states. And I don't think it would be that bad, but I just I just I just cannot picture him beating Donald Trump. I could be wrong, of course. I <laughs> quite often what? but I can't picture that. And who does that leave us with, David? You tell me.
2: Well, and I'll say this about 72 in 2020. Now, 72, I was alive, but I was an infant so or a one-year-old, um, so I will uh, have to judge history. But for my judging of history, you weren't probably going to beat Richard Nixon with no, Edwin Muskie but. with uh, Scoop Jackson yeah, or, or yeah, no another t- rematch with Hubert Humphrey um, – yeah, Char- Sergeant Driver. There. Probably nobody was going to beat Richard Nixon because nobody knew about Watergate at that time. He was still but. the more moderate Republican <laughs> that had signed the EPA and proposed
0: but. a healthcare system that was actually, you but. know, to the left of uh,
2: what we got but, but, under but, President but, Obama. But. but.
0: but. We got slaughtered up and down the ballot because we nominated George McGovern. We got 25% of the vote in this state, and it a solid Democratic state at the time. I mean, we got killed because of who we nominated.
2: And I'm not defending what they did in 72. I'm saying that this is much more critical. This is a very, very winnable election. This is almost – if we lose this snatching def- uh, victory – or defeat out of the jaws of victory, I mean we have – we we
1: would be didn't screwing this that? up.
2: We would have lost it. Do what?
1: Didn't we say that in 2016? <laughs> well, and,
2: and maybe so, and maybe – and I still like Hillary Clinton, but maybe I didn't understand how unpopular she was with enough of the American public. Um but but I I do think that you know nominating a Bernie Sanders, George McGovern's an infinitely more likable character than Bernie Sanders. I've actually met George McGovern. Mm-hmm. Met him in 2004. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it wasn't long. It was it was a little more than a handshake and hello, good to meet you. But still, I, I don't know. You know, Bernie Sanders probably going, <laughs> you know, uh, and and shook his head up at me or something. I mean, it's just. Um, I just think Bernie Sanders is the worst possible choice of anybody in this field. And my worry is is if the field stays too big too long, then it's Bernie versus not Bernie like Politico published this morning. And and really Bernie Sanders at his 35% or whatever he polls in some state, I don't know what he finally got in Iowa, that's about his max. Now my question becomes, let's say – In South Carolina first And then we'll even move on later to Georgia, Alabama um, North Carolina A lot of states with large African American populations Let's say Okay, Joe Biden's not going to win And all that vote gets up for grab And it becomes two candidates Mayor Pete, who has really Made very little inroads Thus far with the African American community And then in South Bend, Indiana Has faced criticism Or Bernie Sanders, who in the past has not done well with African American voters, um, but but hadn't had the I guess shown disconnect up to this point uh, in how folks um, have portrayed this race. We've I mean, been called Mayo, um, you know, for being white and bland, uh, which I actually a congressman who's in the leadership actually tweeted uh, that term out today. I, I was or last yesterday. I was really surprised by that. That that's still coming around, and that this guy could be the front runner. Catherine, who do you see is getting the most or the largest share of the African American vote? If those are the two choices,
1: well, I might disagree with your uh, calculation because I think the person we haven't mentioned yet is Mike Bloomberg.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And
1: and I think he probably has a stronger African-American support than maybe Bernie or Buttigieg. And I think he's you're right.
2: I did, I did leave him out, but I do want to stop. I'm to put a pause button in, and I'll tell you one thing, and then I'm going to let you carry on. He's known for two things, taxes on big gulps and stop and frisk. Now I carry on. Uh, I,
1: I think he's known for a lot more than that. He's known for bringing – uh healthcare to everyone in New York City. Uh he's known for a lot a lot of um support of gun uh, stopping gun violence uh, and has put a lot of money behind that. Um, certainly you're right you're right about stop and frisk and big gulps, but uh I think that I think he's also known for, while you might not agree with the things that he's done, he's known for accomplishments. And I don't think Bernie Sanders has a record of accomplishments because of his uh, strident uh, Democratic Socialist standing. He hasn't been able to carry as many bills in the Senate. He, hasn't, you know, he hasn't, doesn't have a list of accomplishments like Mike Bloomberg. And the other thing that I think uh, that came up in a lot of conversations I had this week, I spent a lot of time in the car this week with um, colleagues and friends. And so we had a lot of time to talk about um, all this. And I think the biggest, the thing for me that I think is the most is among the most important qualities that we need in a candidate is a striking contrast between Donald Trump and whoever our candidate is, and I think, well, I don't. I'm not talking about policy. I'm talking about just contrast in personality and looks and um, attitude. I don't think that there's enough contrast between Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Donald Trump for there to be uh, for for the Democrat to be successful. Um, I'm not saying that there, there's They're the same, but they have a lot of the same qualities. Bernie is very aggressive and bombastic, much like Trump, and Joe Biden is old in comparison to other candidates. Now, Mike Bloomberg doesn't really fit that, except that he is, uh, uh, I think, more eloquent and less uh, loud and obnoxious. I I shouldn't say obnoxious, loud and aggressive as um, Bernie. So I think our choices should be between Bloomberg and Buttigieg. That's my opinion, with an African-American vice president, preferably a woman candidate.
2: Well, I'll say this. Um, If uh, Bloomberg is a New York businessman, so that's the same. And I will say this. I do think of the three names you mentioned first, Trump, Bloomberg – I'm sorry, Trump, Biden, and Bernie – uh, Biden is the happiest. Uh, I mean he's probably the most pleasant That's person. True. He wakes up uh, a little happier than those other two.
1: Um, I agree. Tim, I, I agree with um, that. Almost, I mean I think I said that his the, – the the lack of contrast with him is primarily age and um, uh, look. I mean he looked terrible last night. Yeah. He looked awful. It's – yeah, and basically
2: I will say this. the the perfect candidate is not in this field and that's amazing that's given true. that the this field's been as high as like twenty five people. Uh, maybe the perfect person doesn't exist. I guess they, they walked on water in Israel twenty, you know, two thousand years ago. Um so we're we're waiting for something that isn't gonna happen. Um so, or they've already
1: served their you own. Know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and so we have the um but but we have the uh uh I want to kind of go back to the Super Bowl ad And then ask a question Donald Trump ran a Super Bowl ad Aimed, one at African Americans If Bernie Sanders Or Pete Pete Buttigieg Or Michael Bloomberg were the nominee And then Donald Trump Makes a concerted effort Which his campaign manager Brad Parscale said they're going to do At getting a larger share of the African American vote Is there a better than not Chance that he will get more, not a lot, but more African American voters than he got in
1: 2016.
0: Hmm. Tim Scott said if Trump could get 14% of the African American vote, that um, the Democrats can't win. You know what I think is going to be more important than ever is that the nominee this year kick the right running mate. If Pete yeah. Buttigieg is the nominee, I believe with all my heart his best choice would be either Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris. Me too. Uh, I think I, that's
1: I, a winning I t- think winning ticket.
0: I, Yeah, I think the vice presidential pick this year is going to mean so much more than it has possibly since Kennedy picked Johnson to help him win Texas. Um, I I just think it's going to mean that much.
2: That that he is going to – that any of those candidates are going to need an African-American running mate to make sure that doesn't happen. And a woman.
0: Because I really do think –
2: Well, I do – and I do think that um, uh, Donald Trump is going to go after the African-American vote. I think you know, increasing it from – I don't know if he got five and getting seven or eight, but that could flip some states, and and so it's actually a sound political strategy. I will tell you this. If it's Pete Buttigieg, it's going to be Kamala Harris because imagine what they would brand that ticket with of a state representative and a mayor of a medium-sized city. They'd be like, this, yeah. these people have never worked on the federal stage. They're too inexperienced. And therefore, if you take a former attorney and, general of the largest state in America and a U.S. senator, um, that gives you the federal experience you need. You know, David, um, so I'm just
0: going to just put that out there. David, I, I think one, one hard thing for the Donald Trump campaign to do is talk about their opponents. Lack of federal experience when they're running for president. I mean, he'd have we this don't. nerve doing that. Well, all, uh, uh, but, but he you know, would because he doesn't care. He would,
1: that's and now and, and
2: he does have three and a half years as president. A crappy three and a half years, but he has three and a half years as president. And Pence was in the U.S. House of Representatives. You know, so I mean that that's mm-hmm. where I mean, objectively looking at it. Remember John
1: Kerry. Remember what they did to John Kerry.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so what I think is is if if I'm looking at knowing that these dynamics are going on, who's going to probably have the easiest chance of, you know, maintaining the African American vote um, of the field, and, and regardless of a running mate, I think if you take Joe Biden, who's done best in the polls, and then you take Barack and Michelle Obama, which would I believe, vigorously campaign for him. I don't think I don't even know if they, you know, get up off the couch for Bernie Sanders after what Bernie Sanders and his supporters have said about both of them. I think that's the safest way to galvanize, you know, that vote, and that's going to be pretty critical. You know, I mean, that's getting more voters out is one way to win Michigan, one way to win
0: uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. You know, David, is in the start. I- I, I I think you're right, but but at the same time, I feel these debates have destroyed Joe Biden. That they, they they that aura that was around him as the guy that could stand up and beat Donald Trump in places like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. That may be true, but that aura around it is gone now, and I think the voters are are are. You know, jumping ship on him and looking for another another answer, and I think South Carolina's his his last stand. And, and, you yeah. know if that fails, he's gone. yeah. It's
2: going to have to be That's South
0: Carolina. It. It's going to have to be South Carolina. I got another, but question. they're,
2: they're going to have to. Voters are going to have to look at those other candidates and put them under yeah. the microscope. Well, in a general election.
0: Uh, go ahead. I Tim. got another question for for both of y'all to answer here mm-hmm. going forward. Elizabeth Warren and, and, and Amy Klobuchar, where are they going to win at? I don't know. Amy Klobuchar's not.
2: <laughs> she's I mean, not going single single to, to win this other Can if she, y'all
0: see? It?
2: Yeah. If, unless she's stuck around in Minnesota, and I really don't know where Minnesota falls on the calendar, Amy Klobuchar's not going to win anything. And since she could win her neighboring state of Iowa, she needs to drop out. Just and plain Warren? and simple, Elizabeth Warren. I think she has to. She pl- she plays in New Hampshire. New Hampshire to me is much like her uh, South Carolina to Biden. She's got to, if mm-hmm. not win, be super super competitive um, to carry on. But of course, she needs to. You know she needs to spend every second in New Hampshire, Catherine.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure about Elizabeth Warren. I don't know, like about Nevada. I don't know how she's doing out there. If she's not well. Operate, not well. Not well. Yeah, then no. she's probably uh, almost toast too. And and yeah. I mean, I hate to I hate to think that we're going to end up with no women high in the just as part of the uh, mix, but. You know, they had, just haven't performed. They haven't – I mean, I, I, I really was uh, surprised by Klobuchar's performance in uh, in Iowa, and I think that was really where she needed to be strong to get some momentum going into the next state.
0: David, she, she won yeah. that debate hands down last night. Oh, she was great. That doesn't translate into votes in New Hampshire uh, this week. Then then how is she going to get votes?
2: Well, it, it's, it's not. How many debates has she won? Everybody always Several. says. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. Klobuchar was one of the best performers. She's been on every single winners and losers list yep. as a winner. Cory Booker was on a lot of those lists, and he didn't even make it to Iowa. I don't know that anybody but the super partisans that have decided or even watching those debates – so therefore, you can do good. Uh, it, it'd be like somebody won. Somebody on the Forty ers did good in practice. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't in the game. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I think I think those debates they're, they're they're not unimportant. And it's sad that they're not important, but nobody's watching them other than people that are highly motivated. Um, and so therefore, they don't have the same impact. And, and I really think this. When that report came out about Amy Klobuchar and how she treated her staff, and I don't know if it's true or not true, because I've never been in her office, I've never given her a salad, a fork, Um, you know. (laughs) But I think people—that was a non-starter for so many people. They don't care if she gets the New York Times endorsement. They don't care if she wins the debates. They just—they don't care if she's more electable than some of the folks. It's just because everybody's had a boss. It was like that or something, maybe not like that, but like, you know, it was kind of tough. And they're like, "Eh, I don't want to put up with that. It's relatable. And I think that was Mm -hmm. just a non-starter. And if it's untrue, unfair, but Mm -hmm. that's just where I see that what happened to her. Uh, Catherine, do you think that was kind of the, the the beginning was the straw that broke the camel's back?
1: I think that had a lot to do with it, but I also think that it's just a huge field and, she hasn't done anything to really stand out uh in a positive way. You know, there was the debate where she looked like a, you know, scared chihuahua cuz her hair was wobbling around and she was shaking. <laughs> and I mean, and and you know, it's unfortunate that we um evaluate people on the way that they look or the way that they carry themselves. But that's the first impression that we get of people. And it's just a fact. Like, it's just human nature to make those kind of judgments when you don't have that much uh, time or um, exposure to them, right? So um, right. I think that she just hasn't um, lit up the stage. I mean, she was really good last night. But, I mean, Judge was good last night, too. I mean, everybody was pretty good last night. She just was a little bit better, so she came out stronger. So, I mean, I I like her, but you know, the good news is that she'll be in the Senate, and she's a strong senator, so that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with being a senator. No,
2: not not at all. I mean, I think Cory Booker, he has a bright political future, even if it's just in the Senate for another twenty years. There's a guy in this field that's made quite a career As a senator, Joe Biden, even if he never Was president, he was a senator That was very effective for a long time um, Well, guys, we went a little over I guess maybe we shouldn't plan many more On Saturday mornings, we're talkative uh, But until <laughs> eight days From now, in which we pledge to Return to our normal time slot This has been the Kudsey Vine Good day,
1: good day
2: y'all or good, good day, y'all <laughs> Bye We are the- of that first revolution.
0: Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America
2: has-